Jinjawala, welcome to Mundine's Truth Talking. I'm Nungai Warren Mundine, author, businessman, and business advice advocate for Indigenous Australia. Indigenous Australia. I'm an Aboriginal, I'm an Australian of Bunjalung, Yuan, Gumbanga, and Irish descent. Through these webinars, I've been bringing Indigenous business people and advocates together to engage in some truth talking. Tonight, we'll be talking about a very tough issue, but it's one we need to talk about. A recent Northern Territory coroner's in inquest into the deaths of three Aboriginal children has heard shocking testimony of abuse, neglect, and failures by the agencies supposed to, who were supposed to uh, protect them. This included cases of three teenage Aboriginal girls who were molested and raped in childhood and were all found dead in apparent suicide within a, within a year in 2016 and 2017. All lived in remote Northern, Northern Territory and were sexually assaulted before deaths. The inquest has heard investigations were badly bungled by police, so much so the coroner warned that the whole truth about their deaths may never be known. This inquest is yet another in a long line of inquiries and reports that tell us Indigenous children are being abused and let down nationwide. Offences not reported or investigated properly. Communities are protecting perpetrators but not children. Child abuse normalised. Community leaders and authorities failing uh, to deal with sexual abuse of Indigenous children. Children are dying. These black lives matter too. Will this inquest be a yet another inquiry that gathers dust? Why don't communities and governments have the courage to address it? And what the hell is going on in the Northern Territory? With me tonight is one of Australia's most passionate advocates for Indigenous children in Australia, Jacinta Niampajimapa Price, Director of the Indigenous Programs at the Centre for Independent Studies and the Deputy Mayor of Alice Springs. Jacinta is a long-time campaigner against domestic violence and violence in Indigenous communities, all communities. Jacinta is a Walpuri and, and Celtic Australian woman from Alice Springs. Jacinta, can you give us some understanding of what this coroner's inquest is about and what you have heard so there have recently been uh, a couple of inquests the one inquest concerning three teenage girls in 2000 the, the, the their suicides took place in 2016 and they were between the ages of 15 and 17 uh, they were from top-end communities and the police had decided that they had been suicides despite the fact that two of them had suffered injuries consistent with sexual assault uh, the day that they died uh, and the other had um, fresh facial injuries. And um, they'd all been raped. Um, one, one of them had been raped probably by three, three times by three different males when she was 12 years old. Uh, and as a result, her family um, got her contracept got her onto contraception. So, um, you know, if you think about it, because you become a rape victim, the best your family can do is then put you on a contraceptive to ensure that if there's ongoing rape, you you aren't um, impregnated. You know that that speaks volumes about the need for families to understand how to better support uh, victims of abuse. And, you know, unfortunately, I, I believe in many of these communities, it's almost like become a norm. I don't know many Indigenous people in remote communities in particular, but not just in remote communities, but who haven't actually experienced sexual abuse or assault at some stage uh, in their lives. Now, another one of those girls... Um, was also um, beaten by her, uh, her one of her own aunts to the point where she miscarried um, in in her life uh, at some stage in in her teenage uh, years. Uh, 
One had been diagnosed with an STI when she was just 13 years old, but Territory families stated that nothing was done because there was no evidence that the male involved was significantly older. So, you know, basically it's like there's a standard going on. If Okay, so if there's an older male involved and this, this you know, young person gets an STI, then, uh, then we'll act, you know. Well, we don't even know if that's going to happen by the looks of, of this particular inquiry. And But what you have to ask also is that, okay, so she might be 13 and with an STI, but it, is it okay for the average Australian child at the age of 13 to have an STI? I mean, in between 2006 and 2016, the numbers of cases of childhood STIs for Aboriginal kids skyrocketed 180%. Um, and, you know, there are some Indigenous uh, leaders who have argued that um, you can't conflate the issue of young people and STIs uh, and assume that it's always to do with sexual abuse. Well, once again, uh, if we consider average Australians in, you know, in, in the suburbs of, I'm, you know, I'm here in Brisbane, in the, in, you know, regular everyday Australians in the suburbs of their, their communities, if we, if we saw these rates of STIs among children, because they are children, they're under the ages of 16, they're under the ages of 18, uh, then you would think that you should hold some grave and very deep concerns um, for these children and not try to make excuses um, for them. Uh, in 2016, Aboriginal girls were 60 times more likely to contract syphilis. Um, these are the crimes that are going on every day under our noses in this country and issues um, that you know, movements like the Black Lives Matter movement want to choose to completely and utterly uh, ignore. And, um, you know, we, we're concerned about, to be honest, I, I really couldn't give a rat's about changing names, uh, changing names, changing lyrics to uh, our anthem or ensuring that our flag is, um, is being flown uh, in in Parliament House and during NADOC week, I would rather just you know choose to deal with these um, particular issues that our children are faced with. The reasons why, the very reasons why we're seeing them suicide, you know, amongst Aboriginal Australians, um, the fifth biggest killer of Aboriginal Australians is suicide, and our children uh, are. Uh, disproportionately affected by suicide in comparison to um, the rest of Australia. And it's just not good enough, uh, one, that that um, families don't know how to support these kids, uh, but that when families do fail these kids, that government departments uh, are certainly not stepping up and protecting these children well, you look at it and you've got to say, look, we don't toler that, tolerate that, like you said, in the suburbs of Brisbane or Sydney or even Dubbo or other places around the country, Perth and that. Uh, I just find this, you know, totally amazing that the, that the forces that be, the people who are supposed to be looking after these kids, keeping them safe, uh, uh, our com people who are, who are in charge of these areas, and we just hear report after report after report after report. We've had so many reports. As, you know, it, what the hell is going on? You know, why do we tolerate it in the Northern Territory Aboriginal communities? And of course, the greater question is why do we why do we tolerate it anywhere? Actually, uh, absolutely. And I don't I don't know how much evidence has to be thrown into our faces for us to um, understand that there is a crisis going on, that there is an urgency here. I mean, this is decades worth of issues that continue to just pile up in a corner and, and continue to be 
uh, ignored. And, you know, I think in places like the Northern Territory, I think it, it's very much these communities are out of sight and out of mind to the average Australian. Uh, the mainstream media are certainly not at all um, interested in it. And if they do show an interest, then you see um, you see the elites come come forward with threats of uh, defamation or suing, um, you know, TV programs that suggest that there are women and children being raped in remote communities. You know, people like Kerry Ann Kennelly get told that they're racist for speaking these truths, and there's a push um, to silence to shut people up, which is really, really profoundly disturbing. Um, and because of that push and the threat and the fear, threat of legal um, action, uh, the threat of uh, being called racist, uh, the, the threat of being cancelled in this contemporary cancel culture uh, stops anyone um, from outside uh, looking in, wanting to do something or, or bring these issues up or address them, stops them from doing so. I mean, you know, I, I, there are some TV programs that I go on and I'm reminded prior to the program, you know, for, for legal purposes, please ensure that you don't specify a particular community or mention um, particular names because there are big heroes out there, social justice warriors out there who are waiting to pounce because they are somehow offended because um, they, they, they claim Aboriginality and therefore it is their right to be offended when we talk about the issue of um, SDIs amongst 16-year-olds, uh, the issue of teenagers, um, kids being raped uh, and, and suiciding as a result of the continued abuse that these kids are suffering. I mean, who are we trying to protect here? Who are we trying to protect? And why are we, why, well, not we, because I know I'm certainly not trying to shoot down any messenger who is prepared to crack open these issues and air them out. I mean, um, you know, we in Western society, which a lot of these privileged uh, uh, elite folk, um, you know, take advantage of this Western society that is there to support them and their way of life, um, they they also use that privilege to try and shut down this conversation and, and this uh, level of debate. And we all know the name of George Floyd. He's been held up as this hero and yet uh, the names of we just recently heard that the mother of Annalise Eugle, she wants her daughter's name heard. She's the 11-year-old, 11 years old, who took her own life at the thought of her perpetrator being given bail and being out in the community. It should be her name we should be shouting from the rooftops and from the streets and should be um, we should be marching in order to hold up the rights of children exactly like her and supporting those families. But the problem is a lot of these offenders are the some of the elders of these communities, as we have learned recently in terms of some of the recent cases in Western Australia. And so not only have we got cases of uh, shooting, you know, trying to shoot the messenger, any mainstream media who try to bring this subject up uh, get threatened with court action uh, by the Human Rights Commission, mind you, human rights. They're really concerned with children's human rights here because they would they would um, solicit offended uh, Aboriginal people's complaints uh, in order to shoot down these supposed racist white people who talk about this issue. But not only do we have that, but we've also got the bullies in these communities uh, who are who are threatening uh, victims, victims' families, um, in, to ensure that they don't speak out about these particular issues. I mean, we've got to be able to protect the vulnerable so they have the opportunity to speak out about what is going on to them, 
to their loved ones, to their children uh, within their communities. That That is an absolute must. The cycles have to be broken and we're just not getting there yet. Well, welcome to Mundine's Truth Talking. And we'd like to say thanks to the Good Source News for hosting uh, uh, the live stream tonight. If you want news and opinions you can trust and media not compromised by anti-everything narratives, you want the Good Source. Go to the Good Source News to hear from some of the best conservative thinkers in Australia and New Zealand to hear independent voices on a free speech platform. Now, you, I just get really, really angry when I hear these things because they've been, they've been going on for decades and decades and decades and, and all you hear from these people, and then I actually challenge the leadership of, of the, the Black Lives Matter movement. I challenge the leadership that's out there, you know, the, the coalition of the peaks to actually come out and campaign against the violence that's been happening against Aboriginal children and women in these communities. We, and we had even men who have been violently treated in these. Uh, and it's not only, you know, it's not only talking about the Northern Church, it's, it's, it's across Australia. And we know that's across Australia. You know, we know the names of all the, of all these people who, who had the black deaths in custody, but what about the innocents? What about the, 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 the poor people, out, the kids of our society that have, uh, that have been treated in this horrible way? Now, you look at the Royal Commission that was called by the Prime Minister at the time, Malcolm Turnbull, within half an hour into Dondale and, and uh, correctional system. Well, where's the Royal Commission into this? Where's the Royal Commission into the treatment of these children and what has happened to them? Because, you know, you, you just got to, you got to say, what, as, as you said, uh, Jacinda, what do you say, uh, uh, you know, when you just hear this, this over and over and over again? And, and then at the end of the day, nothing seems to change. That's right. And the Royal Commission completely and utterly ignored uh, the fact that, you know, there are in, in some remote communities in the Northern Territory, there are still promised marriages. There are still young girls being promised to older men um, to, you know, become promised wives. And um, basically the excuse was that well, it was not suggested by any of the people in the community that it was a problem, so we didn't think it was a problem, which means we're too lazy to go and investigate anything further and we didn't want to upset the apple cart because we didn't want to, we didn't actually want to take a peek within uh, what the factors might be within culture that are actually contributing to um, this, you know, th these levels of abuse. I mean, I've grown up understanding and knowing traditional cultural values as an Aboriginal woman. I've been taught that I must avoid any kind of men's business because if I if I were to come across it, I can be punished and my punishment can be a beating and can be sexual assault. Uh, and 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 that is utterly acceptable. Uh, I know that in my you know in my own language there is no word for rape, um, and in many in fact many languages Aboriginal languages there is no actual word for um, that term. Um, and it, it, you know traditionally culturally uh, it's it's a it's a misdemeanor in some cases if if a man were to have his way with. Um, a, a young, well, you know, a, a teenage girl, uh, if if that girl is on the right skin, right kin category, then it's a misdemeanor. It's not a problem, even if it was against her will. And we are not yet ready to face any of this. And I mean, in, in many ways, having grown up in knowing my culture and, and, and being able to stand back and look at the aspects that, that I say to myself, you know what, I don't agree with this. Um, and to be able to articulate those things across to other Australians for, to create better understanding is what needs to take place. There's a lot of romanticism that goes on with regard to traditional Aboriginal culture, but 
even people of Aboriginal descent don't necessarily understand, you know, the ins and outs of traditional culture and the, 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 the literature is there. Um, there's so much evidence there uh, that, that basically describes that the way in which Aboriginal women and children um, can be treated under customary law. Uh, you know, we have an, a member of parliament, uh, Yingya Guila, who is, um, who is a young member of parliament who is trying to bring back elements of customary law to be recognised in Australian law, which I utterly disagree with because I believe that as Australians we should practise one law for all of us. And until, you know, in terms of traditional law, we haven't gone through our systems and gone, you know what, that doesn't work for us. Um, the ability, the, the fact that a man can beat his own wife for certain crimes, that we, we, we can't accept those sorts of things. There's, there's if we don't recognise those elements within, within traditional Aboriginal culture that are contributing to the, the, the violence uh, and, and the abuse, we are never going to actually start to resolve any of these issues. And that is what the Royal Commission most definitely failed uh, utterly failed to recognise. Uh, I mean, you know, as I mentioned, I think there are a lot of people in communities who feel there's a sense of it's the norm to to suffer abuse. Uh, that is what they've grown up with. Um, in you know, earlier this year, there was a case I sat through uh, where a 16 year old um, distant relative of mine had been raped by her own father from the ages of 13 to 16, and uh, her aunt took her to police to report what had happened to her and as a result um, she uh, uh, he was arrested and it went to trial and myself and my mother and father sat in there to support her she had no other support aside from her aunt who had helped her and and look her 13 year old cousin who took the stand whose language first language is not english who took the stand to give evidence um, when her when her own cousin had been raped in the same room as her by by her you know by her father, and after during while the trial was taking place, her own grandmother, the victim's grandmother, was was angry at the fact that her son, the rapist, was likely to be sentenced um, because of this, and so encouraged her other son to attack. Uh, to attack the victim's aunt who had supported her through all of this. Um, in her place of work, which was the primary school in the community, to retaliate against the fact that she had brought this to the attention of police and was there supporting her own granddaughter. So when you've got women in the family who are supporting the perpetrators, we've got a huge problem here. And unfortunately, that is not an isolated sort of scenario. This thing happened often um you know there was one case back up in the top end where um the young 15 year old was her own grandmother had told her promised husband to take her you know because she was becoming a rebellious teenager it is thought that well if you allow the promised husband to take them and you know basically do what they want with them uh, in, in in this case she was held against um her own will and repeatedly raped out on the promised husband's uh, out on his um, outstation uh, held against her will and that was encouraged by the grandmother and this is traditional culture at work and this is what you know I get told when I talk about these issues I get told I'm a sellout and I'm a coconut how can you say this about your own people I am speaking out for the sake of these victims and in Western culture, we're spoiled, where we have the privilege of using constructive criticism to determine what elements of our culture are destructive for us and how we should change those in order to progress forward. There's this, because of this romanticism of Aboriginal culture, we're told we must remain this way because we have been as such for now it's more than 60,000 years. There are those who are trying to say 100,000 years, if you like. So we must remain this way. But this is usually coming from people who don't live um, by traditional um, customary law, who don't promise their daughters off 
uh, when they're babies and, and two older men and then when they reach the age of 13, righto, you've got to go and live with your promised husband now who's probably in his 50s. We've got to get real about um, these, uh, you know, these particular issues. We've, 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 we've really got to get real about them because it's what's contributing to the high rates of incarceration, believe it or not. And um, we can't just simply do what, um, you know, the closing the gap measures are, you know, expecting us to do and just trying to make make sentences more lenient for perpetrators or or find, you know, diversionary programs. You know, I would not agree at all with for diversionary programs for pedophiles uh, or, or, or women bashers. That's just absolutely absurd. Well, that, that brings to the question, you know, that because there's this huge push about reducing incarceration rates. Myself, I believe that, that they're focusing on the wrong area. They should be focused. You know how you reduce car incarceration rates? You actually uh, look at reducing crime within communities, you know. I just find this, you know, really, really frustrating when the bleeding obvious is sitting before our faces and, and, and yet, we get, you know, we get people who, uh, you know, like who come out like you, do, like you do, and and they get abused. And you know, I've been abused and called these. You know, these people are just evil. They're bigoted. Uh, they have no sense of protection of Aboriginal people, Aboriginal kids, Aboriginal women, Aboriginal men. They just let these things happen and continue to defend this type of behaviour. This this criminal crazy behavior and it just goes on and on and you know and you sort of also you know, i'm not just talking about aboriginal people i'm talking about the wider community too what mm. is the what is the police in the justice system and and the politicians doing who should be uh protecting these people i just feel you know just so frustrated when you see the and you read these stories and you have to only look at the suicide rates with these young kids you know getting kids who are 9 and 10, 11 and 12 committing suicide rates. You know, mm. it's just unbelievable. Mm. And, and in the background of that, we, uh, you know, the, the cases that have been brought up recently, it has been cause of sexual abuse. And you only have to go to the, the, the detention centres and you, and you talk to some of the women in there and they're in, a, a few of them are in there because of uh, the results of childhood abuse and then they go on and get into drugs and alcohol and all these other issues because mm. of what's been done to them and they all just and, and then end up in jail and you just sort of go so mm. so the, the real issue is about let's get fair dinkum black lives matter if you really care about black lives i don't think uh, anything more important than children is uh, is in any society i don't care what society it is it, they're, the, they're, they're the future. They're, they're what we are fighting for and getting them educated and getting them to, into, into schools and getting them to build a life for themselves. And yet, yeah. oh, oh, we'll rather talk about some person who's, uh, who, who's uh, died in custody, you know, they had a heart attack or they were ch police were chasing them and they, and they fell in a river and drowned. We'll march for them. Yeah. But how many other, but w w where is the marches for our children? Where are the marches for our, our kids? Where is the protection of our kids? And, again, I'm not focusing on just Aboriginal people here. I'm talking about the whole system, the government system, the whole community system. Do we all just turn blind eyes to this and just let it continue and, and, uh, and just, uh, you, know, you know, the Australian taxpayer pays a lot of money into Indigenous affairs because they want to see changes and, they want, and, and they're very generous with their, their money. Where is the huge of, amount of focus on this area? Exactly. And, mm. and again, there's you see far more sympathy and far more support for perpetrators um, of crimes than you do of uh, for for victims for for victims of abuse for victims who are our children. I mean, you know, you haven't. I've only seen people marching down the street with you know the number four hundred and thirty five. Those black deaths in custody since the Royal Commission, uh, you know, and this and this false narrative behind it that somehow they're all a result of police brutality, and yet the the 
the brutality toward our children from our own community members, from their own family members is utterly and absolutely ignored. Uh, and, <laughs> I mean, one of the, another case up in the top end um, of a 17-year-old girl, she chose to deliberately sniff so that the services would remove her from the community that she was in. So they did that. And she told um, authorities when taken to Darwin that she would rather die than go back to the community of Yirkala where, you know, the wonderful Gama Festival is held once a year and where champagne socialists can pay big bucks to go and participate in, you know, Aboriginal culture and yet utterly ignore um, the issues regarding the children. So, so this girl um, was sent back to that community and they ignored the fact that she'd threatened to suicide and she did. She she took her um, life not long after, you know, going back to that community because she, again, was um, a, a, a victim of sexual abuse and of rape and no one there had the ability to support her um, through that, you know. I'm I'm Deputy Mayor of the Alice Springs community and right now our community is utterly suffering because of uh, youth crime and the Territory Families Minister, basically her excuse was if you mention youth crime publicly then you're demonising our youth. Well, that is an absolute lame excuse for not getting off your backside and doing something about the situation that our children are faced with. If children are committing crime clearly their their home lives are not working for them i've had you know i have people come to me on a, on a regular basis with their concerns about kids there's a woman who came to me who said an eight-year-old keeps coming to her house um because her parents just aren't home and if she is home uh if, if the mother is home she's sitting there smoking a bong um and but the eight-year-old keeps coming to her her house um, and she's rung police and the police have said, well, you know, if there's no one home, can she just stay at your place? And she's sort of been put on the spot and she's, yeah, I guess, I guess so. I'll take this, I'll, I'll look after her until her parents are home. She's rung territory families and, and, and who knows how many notifications have to be put forward in order for them to take any action. But they're not taking any action on this eight-year-old's situation. She even had a meeting at the school and... Um, the 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 principal put it back onto this particular woman and asked her several questions around why haven't you done this and why haven't you done that, remembering that this woman is just an acquaintance to this little girl, but because the little girl has identified her place as a safe place, she's always going there, uh, and it's as if it's as if something really horrible has to happen to this eight year old um, for, for something to be done. Uh, but then again, we're seeing situations where there's notifications and where authorities step in, but nothing really is. And there's no action really taken. And this little, we, we, we know that we've got kids as young as eight in our community doing breaking break and enters. Uh, we, we had some teenagers steal a car just a few weeks back um, and, and did a hit and run. And the poor bloke lost his life as a result. So so because of this behaviour in our community, um, which, you know, obviously stems from these children having broken homes, uh, there has to be abuse going on um, because I don't know an Aboriginal person who hasn't suffered some kind of abuse in their life. Uh, and yet and yet, there is no leadership, in certainly not in this Territory Government, to actually step up and do anything about this situation. But Territory Families has had a culture of uh, not taking action to protect these children and this idea that, you know, no, they've got to stay within the, they've got to stay on country. This is a favourite saying. They've got to keep them on country and keep them connected to their culture and their language, and yet their culture and their language is in utter dysfunction. 
Yeah, well, you sort of you got to wonder what sort of culture and and, and that that they're learning uh, when you and, and we've seen the, the cases come out, art cases after cases after case. You know, like with that uh, five-year-old kid who was sexually abused by thirteen and fourteen-year-olds, and, and you know, and, and then and the best thing they come up with, oh, we'll change the law and we'll make that that you can't take criminal action against uh, kids fourteen years and up, younger. And I think that's just totally. Friggin' bizarre! What are they? Uh, what is how? What are they going to do that actually resolves uh, these issues? And, and look, my belief is that we first of all we've got to we've got to have a proper, sensible conversation about this. And as I said, it, it, the whole Australian community has to take responsibility for this because you know we've all sat back. And watch this happen, and happen again, and happen again, and happen again, uh, and and it's getting. And you got to just say, you just got to can't believe this stuff, you know. So, so how do we, you know, you know, how do we start fixing some of this stuff? You know, to me, it's it's you know the mainstream media, you know, tends to just write a story and then forget about it. Uh, the the government sort of, you know, the, you know, like they, they like to be heroes. In running around like you know Malcolm Turnbull did, and and call that royal commission, and what happened to it? I said at the very beginning, and this is where I had my first fight with him. Well, at the very beginning, all you're going to do is uh, ha spend fifty million dollars, and you're going to come up with recommendations that it, it isn't going to change anything. And guess what? I, I was wrong in the fifty million dollars. It was fifty-two million dollars I actually spent. And you've got to, you know, they would have been better that you spent that $52 million on actually real community-based dealing with these issues and, 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 and changing the law. You know, I just, you know, that I look at that coroner's report and where the coroner comes, report comes out and just damns them. And they should be damned in regard to uh, what's go, uh, what, what has happened to these kids. And they've got to look at why kids are suiciding. Mm. Why they suicide? And then you and it doesn't. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to work that out. And you see the community, you see the backgrounds of these things, and uh, and it just you know. So look, the first thing I'd like is okay. Let's see. I'm sorry, I think I've, um, okay. Um, if, 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 if I'm, I seem to be working, all right. <laughs> yeah, look, I think that um, what's really important is because of the Royal Commission into Black Deaths in Custody, what we've seen is we've seen, um, we've seen, Courts not wanting to be seen as being racist. So, uh, you know, Aboriginal perpetrators are less likely to receive um, longer sentences. And I think when it comes to sometimes I think drug dealers get longer sentences than what um, child abusers get. And I think it's utterly wrong. Um, if we want to deter uh, pedophiles from abusing children, then they should get rather lengthy sentences as far as I'm concerned and they should not um, receive bail um, because they're, they're potentially um, putting, you know, communities back at risk. Victims and victims' families do not want to have to put up with seeing the faces of perpetrators around uh, their communities. And the other thing is I think the whole child protection system in all states probably needs complete overhaul. I mean, I think Western Australia are putting more um, measures in place and, and you know, you, dealing with putting together a task force, uh, have put together a task force around child protection. And I, I think 
I think certainly in the Northern Territory, Territory families needs to be utterly, there needs to be a Royal Commission into, into, into child protection in terms of, uh, you know, in, in all the states, but particularly in the Northern Territory, um, it needs to be determined what sort of culture is going on within um, Territory families for, for, for children to have to receive up to, you know, 50 plus notifications for anything to actually be done to protect them. I think... I believe that we should be able to, you know, it's like there's a second lot of laws for Aboriginal people and Aboriginal children, which I think is um, is absolutely racist. These are Australian citizens and we all need to be treated as such. Yes. Uh, the foster care system most certainly needs to be, um, that needs to be overhauled. Uh, I, I, I'm well aware of the fact that in some cases, um, some foster carers have been worse for, for the children than their own circumstances. Um, so there needs to be an understanding of who the who, who better who these foster carers are. But also, when it comes to Aboriginal kids, it shouldn't. The first thing shouldn't be that you just okay automatically stick these kids back out into their community because they need to be on country and connected to culture and connected to language. Because I know of circumstances where there's been Aboriginal children in foster care, some of which who have um, have special needs issues like autism, um, uh, you know, Aspergers. They've, they've got learning difficulties and those sorts of things, and they need to be near where the services are available to them. But even against um, the, the advice of, of paediatricians, of child psychologists, um, I have seen Territory families put children back out into remote communities where those services are not available to them for their development um, because they've found... A kid, someone who's connected by kin. And I also know of people who put their hand up to be kin carers because there is a, a good deal of money involved in being a carer as well. I know that that's certainly the case too. So the system needs to be considered um, all the way through. But I, I, I think there should be more opportunity for children and in foster care to be adopted into families that are actually going to give the long-term stability that they need to be rounded, healthy um, adults. Because I think as long as we're looking after them through childhood, once they reach adulthood, they can find out more about who they are and what their background is. But there's no point sticking, shoving a kid back into a, 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 an environment that's going to lead them down the path to suicide. We want to save our children. And Australia is one of the toughest countries in terms of adoption, and I don't think it should be that way. I don't think it should be that way at all, and there shouldn't be discrimination about um, a, a carer's ethnic background, whether they're white, black, brindle. I think it should come down to the fact that they're caring, loving, stable human beings that can offer that child, that can uphold the rights of that child, no matter what their background is. Oh, look, you're 100% right there. You know, how, how criminal it is for, for, for these people to put these kids back into those dangerous situations. It is just mind-boggling. You would never, ever in, in your own common sense brain actually say, okay, you've been abused here, so we're, gonna, we're just going to leave you there and put you back in there in that position. That is just complete insanity. I just cannot believe that we have been doing this as a society. And you do raise the most important point is that these are our fellow Australians. We are all Australians here. Uh, we deserve that we have the protection of the law and protection of, of, of the court systems and the, and the family care systems and that, just like any other Australian does. And it has to have that care. And it's about time that we started doing these things in a proper way. And I do agree with adoptions as well, if, if they're going to be looked after and cared for, because people, uh, you know, you know uh, these days, uh, they do, if they have an Aboriginal kid, they do encourage them and do work with them to have that connection with their culture and with their language and stuff like that. This is not the 1920s anymore. This is not the 1930s. We're here we are in the 21st century, and, and, we're, and we're letting 
uh, people get away with murder. If you, that's how that's how we can start saying it. Getting away with murder, getting away with abuse of of children, and 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 the society is letting them do it. I just you know you know it's about time that these these governments actually got got some balls and actually did the job that they were supposed to do. They were elected there to build a good economy for their for their state or territory. They're elected there to protect the citizens of those states or territory, and they need to be doing something. And if it takes a royal commission into the whole system, the whole bloody system, then let's do it and let's have it opened and let's have and let's have people come in. We just did it with the uh, you know with the child abuse stuff in regard to the institutional child abuse, and I just found it quite funny that you know that here was this uh, you know investigation into the uh, child, uh, in institutional child abuse. Mm. What happened? What about the Aboriginal kids? What about all those kids who have been got, taken away into those, into those, uh, uh, you know, those foster, some of those foster homes in it? And what about those kids who are still in their communities? We know statistically that child abuse happens more within the community that you're living in and within the, the family. And it doesn't matter whether you're black, white, green, pink, or purple. That's that's the, just the fact. So we need. To, to actually, how do we get out there and start, you know, fill, you know, start, you know, you know, getting these people to do their bloody job? Surely you are being paid taxpayers' money. You're being elected to do something. Get off your ass and actually stop fiddling with your thumbs and actually do something. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know, in, in terms of a lot of these remote communities, it's about fixing those communities it's about ensuring i think you know education is so important um and, and not just for kids i think parents need to be educated um there's a safe for kids uh program um which which is run in a lot of remote communities uh and and the wonderful woman who runs it she works also she works with the children in those communities but she also works with adults because quite often adults Adults in these remote communities don't realise or understand that, you know, allowing kids to watch pornography is um, is is not on. It's not acceptable. Uh, and, you know, it might be because of these adults, this is, had, was a norm for them at some stage in their life, perhaps even in their childhood. But I think a lot of because there's this um, fear of speaking up and speaking about some of these issues, uh, a lot of outsiders just don't do it. I mean, you know, you've got health workers in remote communities uh, who feel threatened if they were to speak up about, you know, uh, young people being abused in those communities. They don't speak up. There's a, there's a code of silence that exists um, within the public service when it comes to uh, Indigenous issues. They need to be sorted out. You're not doing anyone any favours. You're not doing the adults any favours. You're not doing the children any favours if there's no level of uh, honesty and if there's no, um, if there's there's also not an avenue to be able to bring forward these issues in some of the communities and report them uh, and feel safe to do so, then they go unreported as well. And that cannot continue to happen. I mean, I know in some communities, you know, you get some elders um, and so there, there are people in housing that 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 work with these elders, you know, that, and they themselves might be behind 10 years in rent, but the people working in housing keep their mouth shut because this particular person is a powerful person in that community. I mean, if it's to do with rent, who knows what they're keeping their mouth shut about when it comes to issues of child abuse and those sorts of things. But everyone knows, and anyone who's ever worked in a remote community, um, who's ever worked in the public service in a remote community or health in a remote community, they know exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to that code of silence. And People are scared to to speak out because of their you know loss of their own jobs because of possible threats that are made toward them. But government agencies should not at all be um, ensuring that code of silence uh, exists. They should not be doing that, and more needs to be done. That's what's going to help victims in these communities. 
you know, along with education, along with employment opportunities, uh, you know, welfare has exacerbated this problem so much more um, than I believe, you know, it, it was prior to welfare coming into um, this system. Uh, and, you know, and, and while there are elements of culture um, that, that I know contribute to levels of abuse um, and, and cover up to, if you like, um, I know that there have been those who, who, perpetrators who have tried to use culture as an excuse also to perpetrate, um, which is utterly wrong. And, you know, and there have been laws um, that are put in place to, to change that, to ensure that a perpetrator, um, well, that when a judge is sentencing a perpetrator that they aren't to take into account um, customary law um, uh, when delivering a sentence, um, which, which I think is great. And I know that, um, I know that the, the member for Arnhem, Yingia Guila, tried to have that overturned uh, he claimed for other reasons, for example, being able to, you know, for, for example, if a, if a young person were to be found selling dope in a community that you would, can, you know, the sentencing might involve a diversionary program where they go back to the elders to be sorted out. But I, again, I, you don't know what that could lead to and the way in which that could be taken advantage of in those situations. So, again, I don't believe, I believe in one law for all Australians. Um, and um, we should all fall under that. And we need to revisit. Um, we need to revisit laws that have created more lenient sentences for Indigenous perpetrators. Uh, you know, laws that came about because of the Royal Commission into Black Deaths in Custody. Because again, as you said, we do need a Royal Commission into Indigenous. Um, uh, family violence and child sexual abuse. We absolutely uh, need that and we need to take everything into account and we need to be prepared. We need to be able to um, bring in the fold victims and allow them to have a voice which keeps, which protects them, which protects their identity um, and, and, and keeps them safe but have the opportunity to speak openly and honestly about what they've been you know confronted with in their experiences and it's it's uh, like uh, it's the the silent the voice of the innocent who is being crushed here and and not being heard we we should be uh, talking about all the names and, and this is what we should do uh, we'll do this next time is get of all these people who have been killed you know in that time period they talk about the 432 or 37 people who were killed but in, in, in custody, you know, and they, and let's be honest, they weren't a lot of them weren't killed. They died of natural causes and everything like that. Mm. Is that uh, uh, is that over a thousand Indigenous people were murdered in that mm. time frame? Mm. Murdered. And what about those deaths? And seven hundred and seven hundred and sixty-five of those murdered were murdered by other Aboriginal people. Yeah. So where is the uh, where is uh, you know. Uh, look, all these people, I like to big note themselves. They like to come out and get on marches and say, oh, we care about black people or we care. Well, what about those innocent voices? What about those, uh, that, that you know, it, it, it's not our statistics, it's the statistics that come in here, the criminology and all that, it, you know, the, the double-digit figures about uh, uh, women who, are, who suffer violently and, uh, mm -hmm. and kids who are suffering and, and suicide rates uh, mm -hmm. and that, and yet... Uh, they, you know, these people just seem to be comfortable about that. I, I just find that gut wrenching uh, and quite sick. And then these people will get on the, on 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 Twitter, these 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 troll heroes, and they'll say, "Well, you, you're you're just a, a coconut. You're, you're the king and queen of Coconut Island, and that." And I say, "Well, you know, you're just a bigoted racist because you consider Aboriginal people, uh, children, Aboriginal children." Uh, as less important to anyone else because you're not going to do anything about it. Exactly. And for those who have tried to suggest that I exploit, um, you know, Aboriginal victims of violence and um, sexual abuse of children, I, I'm exploiting them for some 
crazy personal gain that I, I might get, I think that's that's an utter cop-out and it's disgusting. And, you know, they you should be working with me to tackle this particular issue instead of trying to silence me. Um, you know, those those young girls up in the top end, we should we should we should remember their names. Fionica, Yarangan, Lagi, James, Katura, Sherilyn, Mamarika, Layla Gulam Leering, and of course Annalise Yugel from Western Australia. They're the names that we should be shouting about, that we should be walking down the street with placards for. Uh, and, and and that because they are the name it's not just them you know it's so many 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 more um behind them and and continuing to suffer to this day um it, that we need to continue to fight on behalf of 100% correct and I'm glad you said their names there uh, because these are the names we should remember these are the think people we should be fighting for for those kids for their justice that uh, and how they were treated and that you know, I just, I, I just find it quite bizarre that you know that we, why aren't we doing this more often? Why aren't we really calling people to account for for, for not doing their jobs? You know, one uh, the the uh, minister for Indigenous Australians, Ken Wyatt, has called for an audit. Well, I, I hope he really in that in regard to that audit, I hope he really drig, digs down into those organizations into those government departments and that that were supposed to to be do, looking after these kids who are supposed to be caring for them and showing them love and decency and that that they actually get out there and start doing it and we shouldn't be and, and they should not be uh, letting uh, letting people get away with this you know uh, you know I get you know sick and tired of some of this stuff like they ring me up and they want to talk about the flag and they ring me up and they want to talk about the anthem and they ring me up uh, you know like those footballers they got out in the middle of the ground there and and, ref and said they don't want to sing the national anthem because it's racist well, why don't they get out in the ground there and say we're not going to sing the, the song because these kids are being killed in our communities exactly <laughs> exactly why don't you prioritize you know what's important um upholding the human rights of our children it should be the number one priority and again if we're to actually tackle these particular issues then we will see a knock-on effect we will see levels of incarceration um reducing we will see youth crime uh, dropping, we might actually see more kids um, finishing their education. We might see um, more pe more adults being employed. These it all goes hand in hand, you know. The trauma and the suffering has to stop. It does, and we need to get it fixed as quickly as possible. Because I, I, I just, you know, I just, uh, you know. Uh, uh, really angry and really, uh, you know, can't believe that, you know, within a few more weeks we'll probably have the same issue come up again and again and again and again and again and, and governments come out and go, oh, this is terrible, this is terrible and cry cro crocodile tears and, and all this and all these Aboriginal leaders will then blame, oh, it's colonisation. Well, colonisation, you can't change history. What we've got to do is fix things now and into the future, you can't, you know, just white white it out of a out of a history book. It's just a fact. It's something that happened, and we need to move forward. And if you look at the, and I always look at the Jewish community in regard to this because they went through the Holocaust, and within seven, within two years after the Holocaust, they set up the state of Israel, and they got doctors and lawyers and and scientists and school teachers and and generals and politicians. They've got all these amazing people and business leaders and, and tech, technology and that to move forward. And, and yet all we hear from these, these, these uh, so-called people out there who, who are the experts, they sit there and go, well, it's colonisation, we need to decolonise the country. Well, I hope they got a, you know, a re-housing uh, re, re plan for overseas because there's something like 26 million other people living in this country and we're all getting on quite well and we need to be stop dividing us, stop listening to that critical race theory where, oh, if you're black, you're oppressed and, you, and no matter what happens in your life, what's that teaching our kids? You, It's teaching our kids, just give up. Don't, don't, don't get educated. Don't 
don't do anything because you're black and that's 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 it. You know, that's the end of your life. We've got to stop that nonsense, stop that bigotry and stop that stupidity. Mm-hmm. I'll just leave that the last word for you, uh, Jacinda, before we close up. Yeah, look, I think the whole colonisation and, and um, racism uh, excuse is, is a cop-out, is an absolute cop-out. If anything, those that are the most marginalised in this country do have their language. They are still connected to culture. They are the least colonised. So that is cannot be used as an excuse anymore. And it's time for their voices to be heard. Um, yeah, it, it, it's high time that our leaders stop trying to be all things to everyone and stop trying to please everyone. We need to bring back the kind of leadership, the kind of leadership that Tony Abbott had, the kind of leadership that Howard had where they said when they said they were going to do something, they'd go ahead and do it and they'd take issues like this seriously because they recognised that Aboriginal Australians were Australian citizens like everybody else. And as for those, as for people like Kevin Rudd, um, who's obviously closing the gap policy is has continued to fail, uh, who keeps slamming the Murdoch press, well, it's the Murdoch press who continually, continually, Amos Aikman at The Australian has for years highlighted this issue. He doesn't stop. It's like the only issue he reports on. And if you want to shut down the Murdoch press, then you might as well silence these victims out in remote communities because I sure as hell don't see The Guardian or other papers like that, the mainstream media, nor the ABC actually getting off their backsides to prioritise these sorts of issues. They're interested in ideology. They're interested in Black Lives Matter, the movement, and not the lives of innocent children whose whose human rights are not being upheld um, because, you know, everyone else is telling them that it's their culture and their language that's more important, more important than their actual human rights. Enough of this nonsense. It has to stop. Yes, you're 100% right there, Jacinda. Uh, Well, that comes to the conclusion of our show. If you want to help us produce more content like tonight's show uh, and my Mundine Means Business series, join my Facebook support group uh, for less than a cup of coffee. You can become a monthly subscriber and help me get my message out there and help Jacinda get her message out there. And if you go to our our, uh, our our Facebook page, you'll see that see the next up and coming uh webinars and i thank you for tonight and i definitely thank you to center and i thank the, the background crew who has uh helped us uh put on tonight's show so good night